Hello, and welcome back to the Brandon and Daryl Experience, or BDE for short. Uh, I'm Daryl. And I'm Brandon. And today, it's a really exciting day, at least for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, the 2022 Academy Awards. Uh, we're going to be making our predictions. Um, so I am a really big, like, award chunky. So every year I track the awards. I look at, like, the different stats and stuff like that and try to figure out, like, okay, so who's going to win when the Oscars finally come around? Ultimately, I agree with most people that the Oscars don't mean anything, but <laughs> but it's still really fun to kind of just, like, pay attention to it. And, yeah, it's kind of like my Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, so what we're going to do is we have a set number of categories written down that we're going to go through. We're not going to go through all the categories, but uh, we're going to go through our predictions for all the major awards plus a few texts um, uh, that are listed and uh, just give our thoughts and feelings on different on the potential winners, nominees, and what we think will happen. Um, Brandon, do you, do you want to add anything before we get started? Uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy this, even though I'm not as much of a technical or even critical movie watcher as you, Daryl, but I've been enjoying this every year that we've been doing it since, what is it, 2017? Yeah, that sounds about I think right. We, we've been doing this for a while now, where we've been doing our predictions. The um, Moonlight La La Land debacle. Yes, watching that live was oof. I don't think it's been the same since, <laughs> in terms of high entertainment. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I have to add. Um, I'm, I'm ready whenever you're ready. All right, yeah, no, I'm good to go. So what we're going to do is we're going to start at the bottom of our list. We're going to start off with uh, editing. And work our way up. We'll also talk a little bit about um, what some of the precursors have been showing as far as winners and nominees, and just go through. Uh, so, I guess to kick us off, we're going to start with best film editing. Um, so, the nominees for best film editing are Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, and Tick Tick Boom. So, Brandon, what do you think will win? Um, I'm hoping that Don't Look Up will win. Uh, I'm a little bit biased towards that movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it when uh, I watched it, I don't know, however many weeks ago. And I, I thought, like, um, the intersecting of those shots where it's, like, showing, like especially towards the end of the movie. And sorry if it's spoiling. It's not really a big spoiler, but towards the end of the movie, when they have that, like, Armageddon-like feeling happening and they're, like, sp- um, splitting between shots of like everything going around the world, like how everyone's either living their lives peacefully in ignorance bliss or like just animals wandering about their business. Just like, again, they don't know anything that's going on that the world's about to end. Or there's everyone looking up at the sky, Mm. seeing the giant, uh, is it a meteor asteroid? I don't know. What Uh, is it? Yeah. It's, uh, an asteroid. I think it's a comet. There you go. It's a comet. Yeah. Yeah. Hurling towards earth. And I just saw it like, I don't know for me that, those like little moments right there and they did like sparse throughout the movie too but like especially just those scenes this really hit home for me because it actually really like solidified like wow people don't care or like life would just move on as is no matter what so i don't know it conveyed that very well okay yeah and um yeah i'm kind of in the same boat i don't think that uh so i have dune is my main prediction i think that dune is probably going to take this award um i feel like 
the movie considering the length and how much information is being conveyed to you and stuff like that um i think that that way that may come across as something to be um recognized with the academy uh however i do think that don't look up has a really good shot here mainly because like i think that it even though it's the movie with like the most editing um i think the thing about that movie is that like the movie um there are people who love it and then there are people who hate it like people who hate it with a burning passion and they feel like they they act like it fucking killed their dog like the like they really do not like this movie but i think that that's kind of part of the point is that the movie uses its editing to convey like this frustration and anger and like it it, it does a really good job at like it will like cut to like random shit like what like while people are talking about the serious event it will cut to like a pocket watch and then it will cut to like a tree and then it will cut to like this and that and the other and i think it's doing that to kind of add to like the the anxiety of just like these people just don't care about what's going on and like just like kind of making you feel as frustrated as the characters do in the moment so like if don't look up one um i i can't i'm not going to lie i think it, i think i would be pretty happy with that um now i, I think the big uh other nominee here is power of the dog which i don't have as one of my like top two predictions i think it's definitely like in my th definitely at three for me um i think it's a really well edited movie but i just have a feeling that dune with its technical prowess and don't look up with like the the very flashy editing i feel like might take it over power of the dog so yeah no i agree um my honorable mention was tick tick boom um it didn't do anything really special but i thought it was just well compiled for you know a, a musical movie mm -hmm. or movie musical um yeah so it's my honorable mention but again i'm a little biased but i think yeah there you're right with dune being it's i think it's definitely just between dune and don't look up mm -hmm. yeah i definitely I, yeah uh okay i mean moving on to our next category we're going to talk about cinematography um which i we have kind of like a list put together and we're kind of on the same page with cinematography so in my opinion any one of these could win and i'd be perfectly fine with it i think all of them are really well shot really well done um west side story i really love the cinematography there janusz kaminski is a fucking god when it comes to cinematography but i do think that this is um between greg frazier for dune and ari wagner for the power of the dog and I think that, like, again, going back to, like, Dune with, like, its technical prowess, I think that we've seen a history of movies like that winning cinematography. So, like, we've seen Inception do it. We've seen Gravity do it. Um, we've seen... Interst Interstellar? Uh, Inter no, Interstellar didn't win cinematography. <laughs> I think... What year was Interstellar? It was 2014. It lost to... Uh, uh, oh, what's it called? Birdman. It lost to Birdman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, which is also a really well shot movie from the same cinematographer as Gravity. But <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that like that Dune really has that award in the bag. And it really at this point is, is Greg Frazier's to lose. Um, but if Ari Wagner won for Power of the Dog, I think that would be a really deserving win. And I think the Power of the Dog, we didn't mention this, but the Power of the Dog is leading uh, the number of nominations at 12. Um, so it, it already kind of has that large amount of power with the Academy. So I can't, no pun intended um so so it's hard for me to see them like not giving it to to power of the dog but again dune so yeah actually just before because i don't really think i have much to add in terms of this but um i actually heard i think it was cinematography that or another category 
But Nightmare Alley, um, I heard a lot of people like uh, ragging on it. Oh no, it was for editing. Never mind, I take that back. Oh, Nightmare Alley for editing. Yeah, they, I think people had issues with it for editing, not cinematography. So I'll drop my point. I should have mentioned that before. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. I mean, I, I can imagine, like, we, we watched Nightmare Alley a few days ago, and I remember, like, saying, like, I do like the movie a lot, but the, the pacing of that first, basically the first half of the movie, the pacing there, I think, is a little... Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's just a little too slow. But once you get into, like, the movie and into the plot, all that stuff was important, but it's just, like, it just takes a minute to, like, get in, mm-hmm. you know? All right. Yeah. So then moving into score. Um... So we have very different picks here. So yes, uh, you could go go ahead first. Like talk about your your picks. All right. Uh, again, I'm not really passionate about either of these picks. It's more so just like hearsay and whatnot. I haven't even seen my top choice, which was Encanto. What? But based on the fact that everyone is singing, you know, like we don't talk about Bruno. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know why. I mean, if that if we were talking about best song, I feel like maybe that will win in that case. But um, the fact that it's a Lin Manuel Miranda, like, mm-hmm. well, actually, it's not even well. He didn't do the score, but he did. You know, he was part of the, the soundtrack and whatnot. Like the yeah, the yeah, yeah. So he wasn't in charge of the score, but you know, like I'm, I'm sure Jermaine uh, Franco worked with him with uh, composition and whatnot uh, to kind of match the vibe that he was aiming for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and then also since. Encanto's Disney. Disney owns ABC. ABC isn't. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they'll probably give the score to Encanto. But uh, my second choice was Power of the Dog. It's not like the most memorable score, mm-hmm. but I also say feel like it's a safe choice. Um, just just because like it 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 does its job. It, I think there was there's um there's a few scenes where it's like um it pans over like the landscape and then they have like a very somber or like just like a nice muted, like, I don't know, uh, yeah. piece to go along with it as, a, as opposed to like a, you know, like a spaghetti Western thing like, where it's like, wah, wah. like, you know, it's not like yeah. your typical like cowboy st- or like music you, that you would envision with like a Western like this is because it really matches the vibe. So that's why I choose power of the dog as my second choice. Okay, yeah, no, I definitely think that those are good choices. I think the Encanto of it all, that is a really good point. Um, and what's really funny is that We Don't Talk About Bruno isn't the song from Encanto that's nominated for Best Original Song. It's not? <laughs> what is it? Wait, what so, is it then? So, fun fact about the Academy. So, basically, every year they come up with like a short list. And the studio, in this case Disney, had to, had to submit um, a song from Encanto to be nominated for Best Original Song. And they chose uh, Dos Orgitas, which is like the... I, I don't know. Did you ever get a chance to watch Encanto? No. So in the movie, it's like the emotional ballad that plays when we when we see like the backstory of the grandmother. And so I guess they chose that because it's like... It's kind of like the Remember Me from like... from. Uh, from Coco. Uh, Coco, where it's like, where it's like, this is like the real, really emotional song. But like, I guess they just didn't envision We Don't Talk About Bruno, which is like the most, I guess, um, which is the song with the, the most like exposition being the one that blew up and that everyone loves. So if they, they... should know that the popular music is what hits, <laughs> not the heartfelt good music. Well, it was before the movie had actually come out. They submitted it. Well, That's who? why. <laughs> and they accept it? They should have resubmitted What kind? Who does that? They're well, just because, like, man, well, this, this, this is, is this is a song that's going so, to get us this, so this award. Is the thing about, 
but this is the thing about like us of the world we live in as far as like streaming versus like theatrical releases the movie came out in theaters in november dropped on disney plus in december and it didn't blow up until january like it like the movie <laughs> they should have dropped it on disney plus and literally they would have known exactly what they needed to do but they obviously did not understand the assignment they didn't want another scarjo incident oh, like, oh god shit. could you imagine i <laughs> think we gotta watch what we do now uh, that would be funny but but yeah no so I do think that Encanto kind of benefits from being like a very, um, like a, like a musical because that tends to happen sometimes you'll see like a musical win score, uh that happened with La La Land, um, I have mixed feelings on it but <laughs> but uh in this case I chose Dune for Hans Zimmer, um, part of it is because I think the score does such a great job at helping out the world building in the movie. And it's, it's like, as soon as the movie opens, it's the first thing you notice. Now, I think Dune, Dune score and Power of the Dog score kind of have a similar thing going on where they're not traditional, like, music scores. Like, there is no, like, main motif that you think of when you think about these scores. There isn't, like, a, like, a specific rhythm or a specific, like, sound that makes it, that makes them, like, stand out in the traditional sense. Like, in Power of the Dog, I'm sorry? Uh Uh-oh. You go first. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, no, no, you're good. I was... was I was going to say, Empower the Dog, like, when I think about the score, the first thing I think of is, like, the plucking. There's a lot of, like, plucking, like, um, yeah. like uh, orchestral, like, uh, instruments. So, like, there's a lot of plucking. There's a lot of just, like, random piano notes. Like, it sounds like someone's just tapping on a piano and, like, things like that. And then when I think about the uh, Dune score, outside of the, like, uh, throat, throat singing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outside of the throat singing, I also think of think of like just like the loud percussive sounds, like the 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 loud like drumming that happens literally the second the movie the movie turn like comes on. Um, so, but I think that like this is low key Hans Zimmer's best work in a while, probably since Inception in my opinion, or maybe Interstellar. Um, so I could definitely see that happening. And then my second pick is Don't Look Up, Nicholas Bertel. I think that that score really goes a long way because of the main motif which is like the uh the 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 loud trumpets and like just like this i don't even know how to describe it but it's really really good it's really bombastic um Mm -hmm. but nicholas Bertel is someone who's been nominated uh, i think this is his third nomination um and people have wanted him to win every time he's been nominated he was nominated for moonlight lost to la la land he was nominated for uh if beale street could talk he lost to black panther that year and now this year don't look up so i think that nicholas Bertel has a shot at winning uh his first oscar but again i think i think at this point it's it's hans zimmer maybe johnny greenwood but really hans zimmer oh man because <laughs> like, i i just feel so differently about like dune's score like hmm. it's i it's i don't know i just but i'm also again i'm biased in the opposite way where i'm just I already have my negative viewpoints, but <laughs> I, the, the score, especially, especially where, um, for me, when you said there's no motif, I'm just like, the motif is just, uh, it's done. <laughs> like the throat singing that would just come out of nowhere. And I'd be like, this is unnecessary. The first time it was cool. And like, <laughs> I, I understood it. It made sense. And then you kept doing it like two or three more times. And I was just like, no, I'm, I'm yeah, lost I mean, now. Like, it's not the Harry Potter theme. It's not interstellar it's not like like it's not a traditional like like score in that sense no and i I know and i know what they're trying to go for because obviously this is a very sci-fi overworldly movie that they're trying to convey but like i just i don't know it just wasn't it didn't stick with me as much um if anything 
now knowing Nicholas Patel's like backstory and history behind it, knowing that he has multiple nominations, I kind of want to put my second. You know, I I, I feel like I he mean, might. I'm hoping he might get it. He might get it like the the you know the pity award where he's like, you know what, we may not have liked it I as mean, much, but here you go. There is potential because like because I think that like across the board, no matter how people thought felt about Don't Look Up, the one thing that people did praise was the score. Like people really did like the score. So I, I can definitely see that happening. Um, now, I will say, we have not seen Parallel Mothers. Um, I wanted to see it, and then it dipped out of the theater that I was going to see it at, so it's still on my <laughs> <They're> list. Like, <laughs> the, those mothers were just like, you want to see us? Goodbye. <laughs> literally, one day I was, like, I was like, oh, hey, there's showtimes for Parallel Mothers. I'll go and see that. Then, like, literally two days passed, and I was like, oh, hey, I have time. Let me go see Parallel Mothers. I looked, it wasn't playing anymore. And I was like, Dang. well, damn. <laughs> I guess I won't watch it. Yeah, so I'll see it when I see it. Who knows? Maybe yeah. it'll drop on streaming like tomorrow. I don't know. HBO, check it out today. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so moving into animated. Uh, I feel like this one's pretty easy uh, considering. Um, yeah. So uh, we both chose Encanto. Um. I see... Wait, sorry. Did you choose Encanto as your first choice or second choice? Yes, it's my first choice. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so Encanto. I, I think that, like, um, the movie just had, like, this huge this huge surge at the end of the year. Everyone's still singing. We don't talk about Bruno. It's a big deal. Um, honestly, this particular year in animation, I think, was... Like, there were some really good movies, but, like... It, I don't know. I was very, like, kind of whatever on Encanto. Like, there are things I like about it, but for the most part, I just thought the movie was fine. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel like, I feel like because of that surge, it, it's definitely going to get it. Um, now our second choice is Mitchell's versus the machines. Um, uh, I have thoughts though. Uh, you can, you can go ahead first though. Like what, what are your thoughts? Um, as ironic as it is, I have not seen either of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to watch Mitchell and the machines. I just never got around to it. Like mm-hmm. I literally keep, I have it in my queue on Netflix. I'm just like, I watch it and i just never have um but uh i put it as like my second choice just because it's the same studio that made or animated uh spider verse Mm -hmm. and they have a very strong styling like that you can tell like you know that it's the same studio and i feel like they know they have a good direction in, in terms of how to like you know do animated movies like just based on spider verse alone and i have a feeling that it and i heard good things like i heard praises go towards it I don't think it's the winner because again, it's you know Disney. You're going up against Disney. Yeah. Um, with that Disney being said, though, you, you, yeah, three Disney movies. Well, technically one Pixar. Um, yeah. But I, but I didn't hear much like good things about Luca. Not like not bad things, but I just didn't hear much about Luca well, other than other than Fish Boy Italian. That <laughs> like people are like these boys are getting coded as gay, and it's like I don't think that's what they were going for. But if you want to take it that way. Well, I, I think that, like, the thing about Luca in comparison to the other nominees here is that it's not very... Well, actually, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Flea. I haven't seen Flea, but, like, a little bit of Oscar stuff with that movie as well. But Luca, I think the thing about it is that it doesn't really have a plot. Um, It's not <laughs> it's really, just like... There. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like, in Kanto, it's like, oh, a young girl has to go on this journey to save the magic. Ryan lost Dragon, we have to go on this journey to... Stop the Save. darkness. No, to, to stop the magic. To stop the magic. Stop the magic. <laughs> uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines is like, that one's a little bit weirder to describe, but basically it's like, 
oh, we're going to take our daughter to college. Oh, there's a robot apocalypse. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then, and we have to stop then Luca, it. fish well, boy. Yeah, Luca is just like the... So the fish element of it all does play into like the, the story, but it's really just a movie about three friends hanging out in Italy for like almost two hours. Like it, Like the whole movie is just like... Uh, the, the, I guess the main conflict is that Luca doesn't want to, wants to, like, explore the world, but his parents basically believe that humans hate sea monsters, so they don't want him to, like, go out. But, like, but, like, the, the other conflict is that him and his new friend that he meets named Alberto, it, uh, want to win money to buy a Vespa and travel the world on a Vespa. And, like, that's it. (laughs) I don't know why, but this gives me, like... Wally vibes, not in terms of plot or anything, but the the sense of not to, not to say Wally didn't have a plot, but it definitely like at first like viewing, you're just like, okay, where is this going? We'll see. And it, like, but I mean, obviously, you know, it's Wally, but it, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting to me because it's like because it is very much like in a similar fashion to like um licorice pizza or um no actually licorice pizza is probably the best example and a similar way of like licorice pizza it's a vibe movie like you just kind of have to be like vibing with the movie like there is no like you're not really expected to be like well you're expected to be emotionally emotionally like, invested but not in like the way that you'd be emotionally invested in like in like uh the incredibles you know what i mean like it's very like a once upon a time in hollywood kind of kind of yeah i feel like because, that's a vibe movie like there's not yeah, really a plot yeah, yeah. it's really just a day in the life of yeah pretty much because the whole movie is just like like, yes, you have those conflicts, but for the most part, it plays just like, just like, oh, guess what? We're going to go and fish today. <laughs> oh, okay. we need to train to win the money to buy oh, a Vespa. It's like, here's, oh, here's so... a better example. It's like, it's like if they had the same concept of like early, or not early, but just like any like Cartoon Network or uh, Nickelodeon TV shows where they're anthology shows where it's like so they just draw it out into a movie they're like okay let's put all these things like 15 minute episodes into a movie format yeah pretty much yeah that's what it feels like that's actually exactly it (laughs) and like it's like they took the Spongebob like uh, total darkness episode and they mashed it mashed it with we lost Gary (laughs) yeah Low-key, low-key, that's exactly what it is. Because, like, I mean, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. But, like, yeah, it just doesn't really have a plot, which is fine. But, like, it's just it's just not really a plot-heavy movie like that. Now, uh, on these other nominees, I know that there's some people who don't like Raya. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. I, I, um, a lot of people didn't like it because they felt like it was just, like, a ripoff of uh, Avatar. Which, like... Wait, what? <laughs> because it's, like, the whole idea of, like... Well, there's a whole, like... There's a whole controversy involving that comparison because you kind of have to be very nuanced about it because some people take it as though because Avatar and Raya are both based in um, in some form of lore involving uh, different Asian cultures, um, by making that comparison, you're only comparing them because they're both they both have those like a- those Asian roots. influences. Yeah, but I but I think it's I just like s- it's more surfacey than that. I think the comparison, the surfacey comparison, is more just like. 
it's about like oh we need to go on this journey to find this thing that will help us save the world because of the division amongst the groups so like an avatar is the avatar himself like you need to go and find the you have the avatar and the avatar will help to 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 get the get the different nations to come together or whatever and then in, the, in raya it's the dragon itself um sisu and once you get sisu then then sisu will help bring all the different like tribes together like across like the whole nation or whatever like that that's the comparison basically that's a huge stretch in my opinion yeah i mean i i can see it but it's not really it's not enough for me to be like oh this movie is like a ripoff or oh this movie isn't good like i actually did enjoy it i thought it was i thought I, it was a i liked movie. it a lot yeah um but of this list probably my favorite would be mitchell's um so flea i think flea has a shot i just don't think it's going to win an animated because of the traditionally animated feature usually goes to like goes to like movies that are more like kid focused mm-hmm. um there are there is like the closest exception I can think of is maybe Spirited Away, but even then that's still kid focused. So like, it's very rare that they give it to something less traditional. Uh, in this case, Flea is technically a documentary. It's nominated in three categories. It's nominated for uh, animated film, uh, for international, and for uh, documentary. And it's basically about um, a man who I, I'm not entirely sure what the story is, but I believe it's about a man who had to uh, flee his country. Um, I don't remember which country it is. I believe it's the country in the Middle East. And it's just kind of like an account of his life after after those events and his family and things like that. But it's it's a documentary that was animated. And I believe it's... I'm trying to remember what type of animation style it is. But it's animated over to, like, to add to like the... So that way they can like dramatize the events and things like that. Um, apparently it's really good. It's like fantastic. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. It's actually on Hulu. So maybe at some mm-hmm. point I'll, I'll sit down and watch it. But um, that is another one that people have said is really good. I just haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe maybe we end up watching that soon. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So moving on up to next to the next category, Adapted Screenplay. So I think we're, we're pretty much lined up here, it seems like. We, we flipped, but yeah, yeah, same same movies. Yeah, so um, for Adapted Screenplay, my first choice is Coda. Um, I think that the movie... So, watching the movie, I think that, like, for a Best Picture nominee, it's very slight. I was actually very surprised that it's nominated in the first place. Um, if you don't know... I mean, of course, you know what Coda is, but... Or, I would assume if you're listening to this episode. But, I mean, just to <laughs> describe it a little bit, it's... Basically, Coda is about uh, a young girl who um, is in high school and she really wants to sing, but she is a Coda, which means a child of deaf adults. Everyone in her family is deaf except for her, and uh, she is kind of seen as being like a uh, like the family translator. So she is always expected to be there for her family to help them do whatever. They also have like a fishing business, um, so she helps out with the business. And by her being, like, the only hearing person there, she really does act as, like, like without her in a lot of ways, they, they really, like, rely on her to do whatever it is they need to do uh, in their daily lives or whatever. Uh, it's a cute film. It's a very, it's, like, it's just, like, a family film about, like, this family and what they go through. And I think the movie's the most interesting when it kind of gets into, like, okay, what are, like, the nuances of being a Coda? Like, I, th- I remember one detail in the movie that I thought was really interesting was um, there's a part where uh, the main character, whose name is slipping my mind, 
she uh she explains that she was made fun of because she always had like a weird speech impediment or speech pattern and that was because she she's a child of deaf adult so like of course she doesn't really have like uh the constant awareness of like the way in which we like would say words in the same way that most people that other people would if they don't if they have like hearing parents who can who are not mute you know what i mean interesting and i mean not to discredit the movie but i also have a friend who is a coda Mm -hmm. and he actually is um he's a he's in a family of four so all four kids can actually hear Mm. um but i never i don't think i mean i never noticed this like uh any like in like different like tonal what well, like it, in, inflections or like is it like noticeable or like mm. oh so for her it's noticeable well it, this was when she was a kid like she obviously didn't oh, know okay, how to okay. get out of it but she was explaining that like but the thing about it is that like i i don't know about your friend i'm assuming since you had siblings i i don't know what the age difference between the siblings are um It's, uh, so, oh my goodness, I'm going to do quick maths. So, he's going to be 417, or 17. So, roughly, him and his, so there's four kids. So, the oldest one, I think he's, like, two years older than my friend. And the next one below him is, like, four years younger. And then the youngest is, like, I want to say seven or eight. Okay. Between six or eight years younger than uh, my friend. So... Okay, you know, pretty I, good yeah yeah i think I, I was gonna say like maybe there's a potential that like, could be a sibling thing maybe but like in her case literally her entire family's deaf she's the only one that can hear mm-hmm. yeah but i don't know but it, it is interesting like when they kind of talk about little things like that or like just what it's like living in a house with um where your entire family's deaf and it's like like uh ironically enough it's loud at least the way it's portrayed in the movie it's loud where like they're they're like they like slam things down the table. Or, oh yeah, because like, they they like... they aren't aware of the noises exactly. they're making. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's things like that that I think are, that I think was like really interesting. Um, but like the movie itself, I mean, plot wise is very predictable. It doesn't really do anything that special. But like I can see that like Academy members will be like, oh my god, this movie like it was so I I just I got te- I got teary eyed because the movie ends with a with a not a musical sequence but the movie. Uh, it doesn't end on it, but, like, basically the whole thing is that the daughter wants to go to, like, a music school, like, like a Juilliard type of, type of situation, um, and she auditions, and the movie's, like, big climax is her singing with her family in the audience, and then she starts signing what she's saying, and her family's, like, all into it, and people are like, oh my god, and then on top of that, and this goes into Troy Kotzer and supporting actor, which we'll talk about later, um, there's a scene where he, obviously, since they can't hear her sing, he wants to like hear her sing so he like like basically holds on to like her her like throat to try and like feel like what she's saying and it's like a very like emotional moment and like like they're both about to cry and it's like it's like okay so this is a very emotional movie for a lot of people um out of context this just sounds very it sounds weird out of context but like (laughs) just like here let me hold your throat real quick so i can hear you sing it's like (laughs) yeah i can't breathe (laughs) it it, it sounds weird out of context but like in the movie it works and like the movie is good i don't want to say it's not a bad movie it's just like it's not really the type of movie that i would expect an oscar to even pay attention to Mm. um but yeah no i think that like um i'm glad it got a nomination i think that like the reason why it's my first pick is because people like it so much uh also this is something that like that i'll also bring up is that like um coda is a best picture nominee 
Um, we'll get into the Best Picture nominees later, but generally speaking, the Academy loves to spread the wealth across the, the Best Picture nominees. So I don't think you, I don't think, at least in recent years, I don't feel, I feel like you don't usually see like one movie sweeping every award in the same way that like, let's say Titanic did or something like that. Like every movie basically gets something. Um, and so I feel like this might be Coda's something. So we'll see. Um, and then do you want to talk about Power of the Dog and Adapted? Um, uh, what can you say? Is <laughs> they did. I mean, yeah. I I don't. I'm not familiar with the original, uh, like, source material. I don't know. Was it a book or was it, it a play? It was a book. Um, yeah, I didn't know what it was either. I think it came out in like maybe the eight. I don't know where it came out. It came out in like in like the. Anywhere between the this is a wide range. Anywhere between the fifties and the eighties. I don't know when though. That is a very wide range. It is um, a very wide range. In, I have no idea. The, in terms of the actual plot and whatnot, like yeah, it's it makes you feel like it's Brokeback Mountain between an, an underage kid, or I guess he might. I don't know if he's of age. Uh, what? I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I don't know. Like the, the vibes were very sexually frustrated. Let me tell you, like he, <laughs> the way Benedict Cumberbatch was like eyeing up this kid made well, it feel like okay he was like uh this i don't know I'll, it gave very like sexually frustrated vibes see to me the movie felt like it didn't feel like sexual frustration it just felt like tense like you don't know what these interactions are well, it was tense people, all right but i wouldn't say that it felt like sexual tension like that would be like if in Brokeback every other me? scene. No, because that'd be like in, if in Brokeback every time that Heath Ledger and um and Jake Gyllenhaal were together, you'd you'd literally constantly feel like feel like they could either kiss or stab each other, and you don't know which. I I but like I felt like it was this whole time. Like I maybe Eve, you can even ask her friends at, after this. But this the whole time, like I was on edge because it's like, are they gonna kiss? Um, like that's how it felt. I never felt like. Like, and even at the end, we're at the twist, because, uh, okay, spoilers, when uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character dies, I never, like, got the vibe that it was, like, you know, the, the kid who was involved with it. Um, and that's where the whole, like, plot comes together in my mind, where it's, like, the power of the dog, where it's, like, you know, it's the, like, oh, what's the, like, the, the misdirect, mm-hmm. or the redirect, whatever you want to say, where it's, like, someone who appears as this fragile, like maybe more dainty person can actually is the one who actually defends themselves in the honor of their mother and whatnot as opposed to this person who's all machismo and whatnot and it's just like yeah fuck everybody and i'll kill them <laughs> and then ends up being the one who secretly has a past of being what people back in the 1920s would consider as weak mm-hmm. so i i mean that's that's the screenplay that's the story of power of the dog and um it was a good payoff in terms of the story, like, or maybe not the story, but like the, I don't know, like what the message they're trying to get at. Yeah. I think there's a payoff there. I think where it falls flat for me is that it just kind of like, it happens and then we're just like, whoa, I was hoping for like a happy ending, <laughs> but well. I mean, not every movie's going to have a happy ending. So, I mean, so well, great. I mean, technically I think you could I, argue that it was a happy ending. I mean, for, for the kid and Kirsten Dunst, sure. <laughs> But I didn't really care for Kirsten Dunst's character, so... I I liked her character well enough. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, like, I liked her character well enough. Yeah. But, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that, like, Power of the Dog, 
again has a lot of power um but uh power bottom i think that's the one thing that could go against it oh my god <laughs> sorry i did not process that fast enough <laughs> i did not process that fast enough i'm so sorry but no power of the dog i think the thing about it that may go against it in adapted screenplay and this could also go into uh editing as well like one of the reasons why i didn't pick it for editing and i forgot to bring it up is that some people think the movie is really slow and i personally think it moves pretty well i think it's pretty well paced but i thought so too in, co- in comparison to the other well we'll talk about it when we get there yeah but i think that the thing about this movie is that um i think the reason why people think it's it's on the slower side is because it's um the build up like the tense moments yeah it's it's a lot of like build like, up to it's like suspense like, yeah trying and, to... but the movie's not interested in being like this flashy like um over the top melodramatic thing like yes, you'll get scenes where Benedict Cumberbatch is like screaming, but like that's not that's not what the movie is. And then on top of that, I think it's also because the movie was the movie's a western. It is a western, but it's a very different kind of western. So I think people people are going in th- expecting like like a true grit maybe, but mm-hmm. that's not what this is. You know what I mean? Um, and then uh, as for the other nominees, I mean I could see any of them taking it, but like I don't know. I feel like those two have like the most power. Huh. Um, so, like, in the case of The Lost Daughter, um, so I watched The Lost Daughter, it's on Netflix, I thought it was okay, uh, and then I realized I don't think I like it. (laughs) You're just like, you know what, I sat with it, I'm not okay with this. Well, because the whole movie, so, the basic plot of- Keep that girl lost. High key. No, the whole plot of The Lost Daughter is basically, it's about Olivia Coleman, and she's on vacation, uh, in, like, Italy- Somewhere in Italy, if I remember correctly. Um, or no, Greece? I don't know. But basically... Mediterranean. Somewhere in the Mediterranean, yeah. She's, like, on, like, on like vacation. It's, like, it's like almost like a resort, but, like, a little, t- a little town. Um, she goes on vacation by herself, and then she... Uh, she doesn't really do much. She just kind of, like, it's, like, roaming around, doing whatever. Uh, one day, she's, she's laying on the beach, and then she ends up seeing this family. Dakota Johnson uh, has a young daughter, and she ends up meeting them. And at one point, the daughter goes missing but then olivia coleman finds her um pretty immediately i thought the movie was going to be like like a thriller where like there is an actual lost daughter there isn't um and so we learn about like uh, olivia coleman's past involving like how she is like she was she made a bunch of questionable choices as a mother uh the the younger version of herself is played by jesse buckley who's also nominated supporting actress um the movie I feel like ultimately, I think it's an interesting experiment. I think that like it had a, it had really interesting things to explore because it is ultimately about like basically the best way I could sum it up is how it's about how hard it is to be a mother, like and how just um basically the movie makes you not want to have kids. Period. <laughs> the movie makes you go, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? I don't think it's worth it. That's like the whole movie, oh, and geez. like. And I think the thing about it that I just did, came to not like is that the movie ultimately, by the end of it, doesn't really have... The conclusion of the movie didn't... I didn't really know what it exactly was trying to say. And maybe that's that's a me problem, but, like, I just had no idea what the movie was trying to say. Like, kids don't have kids. <laughs> well, like, like literally, it's like you find out about all these things that Olivia Coleman did. Spoiler alert, if you don't want to be spoiled on Lost Daughter, but quickly, spoiler alert. Um, we just learned that there was a point... There was a period of time where Olivia Coleman literally left her family, just, like, dipped out. And then had an affair, and then uh, came back, I believe, four years later or something like that, more or less. And 
she feels guilt for leaving. So I was thinking, like, okay, so she has, like, these two grown daughters, right, who are strange. Like, they don't like her because she dipped out for those four years. And they, they have a lot of, like, pent-up, like, anger towards her or something. But the movie ends with her, like, lying on the beach and she gets a phone call from her daughters and her daughters are like, oh, yeah, hey, mom, blah, blah. And I'm just like, and the movie ends. And I'm just like, wait, so then what was the point? I, I'm confused. <laughs> See, I told you you didn't like Olivia Coleman. Well, no, I love Olivia Coleman, and she's great in the movie, which we'll talk about. She's great in the movie, but the movie itself, I, I, it just, I just didn't vibe with it. However, the movie did receive some like screenplay prizes, so I mean, it has potential, but like I just don't. Eh. Um, Dune, I think, is more of a technical achievement than a than a writing achievement. Uh, at least I think that's how the Academy looks at it. I think it's a say really that again. Well, I think it's a really impressive achievement considering that, like, we've seen a previous, we've seen multiple previous adaptations of Dune. They all came out bad. And we, and Dune is such a popular novel um, that, like, I can definitely see them giving some sort of consideration to it. But I think the thing about Dune that makes me hesitant to think it would win in any of the major categories is because we have part two on the way. And I think part two will be the movie that, that, that makes them go, you know, we're going to give it all these prizes. Um, because, like... I, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening because it's going to be like a Lord of the Rings type of thing where like Lord of the Rings really like it wins some technical awards here and there, but it doesn't really win like the big prizes until its final film. I think they might do that type of thing, but we'll see. Um, and then the last screenplay, not the last adapted screenplay nomination is drive my car, which um, I have not seen it, uh, but it's a three hour movie about a widower um, forming a bond with his driver. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it. It's probably fantastic. Um, it's nominated international. It's the front runner for international feature. Um, I just, I haven't gotten around to it because I will say, I will say three hours is a very daunting task. Uh, but I will, I will try. <laughs> yes, we know it, how you feel about three hour movies. Uh, it will be, I mean, there are some three hour movies that I love, but there are some three hour movies where I'm, where I just go, why is the three hours? Fair. Um, so drive my car. We'll see. It's actually going to be on HBO max. I think either, this week when we're recording or next week. Um, oh. So I'll probably end up catching it once it's on HBO Max. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so next original screenplay. The nominees here are Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and The Worst Person in the World. I will say right off the top about Worst Person in the World, I really love that movie. <laughs> I saw it in theaters a few days ago, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I'm really excited to get a chance to show you guys. So, uh brandon uh you and a few other people because like it is a really really good movie um but i don't think it's going to win screenplay oh, okay yeah i don't see it winning but i do really love the movie a lot um i think that this is going to be licorice pizza's year uh, i think the thing about licorice pizza is that it is paul thomas anderson everyone fucking loves him i thought the movie was um the movie as a movie was fine um as a as she says I think the story that it was telling was kind of irresponsible, but that's a whole other thing. That's more of a me thing than it is. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about like the idea of like of like a movie about a 25 year old and a 15 year old like falling for each other that I just found really uncomfortable and love weird. Is love, but the movie, but I'm like, and I think that like the movie, if it if the movie really went really like established that like was either ambiguous about their relationship or was um like was really explicit about it but didn't like um but like was like this is a bad thing and you have other characters around her going around specifically alana heim's character being like this is not good this is gross stop 
then that'd be one thing. But the movie never really does that. It doesn't want to judge the characters, which is fine. Like you cannot judge your characters, but don't, but don't have me sit here and then you like play like play like this this upbeat music when they kiss and then be like be like oh my god they're in love and I get it's supposed to be ironic, but like come on now. I get it. I get that. Um, but everyone loves Paul Thomas Anderson. He has not won an Oscar yet. So I think this may be his year. Again, Licorice Pizza is the Best Picture nominee, so this might be the thing they give it. Um, my second choice is Belfast, because even though we haven't really talked much about Belfast winning really any of the categories, uh, at least the ones we've gone through, Belfast is considered to be like the second place film. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think the thing about Belfast is that it's such a crowd pleaser that I that like if they did give it to it, uh, and also Kenneth Branagh, who, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't have an Oscar, but has been nominated multiple times as well. Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my top choice is Don't Look Up. Uh, again, like I said before, bias towards the movie. I thought it was great. It was just very uh, moving in the sense that it just told so many different, like, uh, it didn't, okay, let me say, it didn't tell different stories. It just... It hit on so many applicable things that are happening in the real world. And this movie was made in 2019? I think they started writing it in 2019. And then it was yeah. filmed in the pandemic. Yeah, So, but the fact that it was just so applicable to like everything happening in our world during the pandemic. And like they didn't have the foresight knowing that, like, oh, there's going to be a pandemic coming around. So just to be like... Oh yeah, there's gonna be people who uh, believe and don't believe the thing that's happening, like this uh, this comet coming to crash towards Earth, which is so applicable today. Where it's like, oh, is COVID real or not? It's like, and then just like with the the takes on political leaders and um, capitalism and everything, and like this movie is originally just supposed to be about global warming and or just like um, I should say environmental things related that way, and then it just it hit on so many things that I thought were, I don't know, it's just, I thought it was done very tastefully, especially for, I wasn't expecting it to be, like, as funny as it was, so I thought the writing there was also great, too, um, being able to do that, and then all the characters, too. Um, with Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean, I'm actually surprised he's not nominated for, like, Best or Supporting, mm-hmm. um, because I thought he played, uh, I forget the scientist's name now, but like the the anxiety and just like this such like feeble man like the in the way that he transitions throughout the story um in writing the characters there and almost and also tackling oh they another thing they, the way that uh, Adam McKay also tackled the the issues of uh, or conveying like how they would rather listen to a white man even though he didn't he didn't discover the comet. It was Jennifer Lawrence's character who discovered it. So they, they won't listen to a woman. And then, um, I forget the other character's name. What's his name? He was a black man. Dr. Uh, Oglethorpe. Yeah. Dr. Oglethorpe's, um, his character, how they won't listen to him either. Cause he's, he's a black man. Yeah. And so like, in the fact that he even mentioned, I, I don't know. There's just so many different things where I'm just like nice, nice touches here and there. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I definitely feel the same way. I mean, I think that, like, Don't Look Up, again, it's super divisive, but I, I do actually really like the the writing. Um, I will I will admit there are some points in the movie that, like, that the writing isn't, like, the strongest. Like, there are some jokes that I don't think land and stuff like that. But, I mean, for the most part, though, I was really into it. I thought it was really well done. I thought that, like, just the way that they decided to depict the situation, to me, felt 
super realistic, which is unfortunate that, that, that that's even something you'd say about a movie that's fucking ridiculous. That's as ridiculous as Don't Look Up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fucking sad. But, like, I thought it was, I thought it was really well done. And I, I did also really enjoy it. So, I think, that, I think that's a solid pick. But yeah, I, I, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure it's going toward li- licorice pizza though. Yeah, yeah. I think um I think if don't look up um considering how well it performed, I think that like uh if Adam McKay so Adam McKay does have an Oscar. He won for uh adapted screenplay for The Big Short. Um, mm-hmm. had he not won that Oscar, then I probably would be thinking that he'll win for Don't Look Up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, who knows? I mean, he could still win. Uh, but like I feel like that's not gonna happen. But we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens. Who knows? There are surprises all the time. Like last year. And I was pissed. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, supporting? Yep, supporting actress. Uh, so the nominees and supporting actress are Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, Judy Dench, Belfast, and Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog. So, you want to go through your picks first? Yeah. Um, my top choice is... Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. Uh, I think people are just suckers for musicals. I feel like it's going to... I have a feeling... It's not like a repeat of La La Land, but, like, I don't know. I, I just have a, a strong feeling in that regard. Um, I mean, I've seen West Side Story, the, like, you know, the one back in the day or whatever, mm-hmm. with uh, whatever <laughs> whatever their names are. <laughs> but I've seen West Side... I know what West Side Story is about, so I don't think I really need to to see this one to understand what's going to happen. So, I, But I'm going to give it to her. Uh, my second one is Kirsten Dunst, because who doesn't like a white lady in, du- in duress? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're right. I feel like, like the funny. Academy just goes for it. They're just like, oh, my God, she plays such a well victim. Like, I don't like. <laughs> I mean, you're right. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, not that she did a bad job. Like, she definitely pulled off, you know, stressed out white lady really well. <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, I personally didn't think it was anything, like, to win over. I mean, I, I guess it's fine because she's supporting actress. So, like, sure, we can give her supporting. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, she she's fine. But And then the other ones I haven't seen, so I can't really say. Um, but on, on Janu Ellis, right? Is that mm-hmm. her? I feel like that that's a, that's a good choice that you made. <laughs> yeah no i i think i that... heard good things about king richard oh yeah no well king richard's really good i was actually surprised by how much i liked it because i don't typically like sports movies but i was actually really into king richard which is shocking um but in supporting actress i also am going ariana debose um so you've seen the original west side story so she plays anita which is rita moreno's character uh mm-hmm. rita moreno actually won her oscar for that same role um in the original film and in in the movie, literally, Ariana DeBose is, like, a, um, what's we're looking for? She is, like, on fire. Like, the movie, she is actually insanely good in the movie, um, which I was surprised because, like, I was expecting, like, her singing and dancing, I was expecting to be on point anyway because, of course, like, she uh, was best known for Hamilton. Um, she was part of the original cast. So, like, I knew for a fact that that was going to be something that was going to be on point. Um, but you see her in this movie and just, like, the way that she, like, not just in the parts where, like, she has to, like, sing America, which is one of the best musical sequences of all time, but later but later on in the movie when she has to really hit, like, those emotional moments, um, she does it extremely well. And so I definitely think that, like, she's not only my pick for supporting actress, but I hope she wins supporting actress, which I think that she's a lock anyway. Now, if she didn't win, um, I went with, my second choice is more of a wish, wish fulfillment than it is, like, logic. 
Um, I chose Anjanu Ellis for King Richard because I think Anjanu Ellis is not just fantastic across the board as an actress, but fantastic in the movie. Um, she plays uh, Richard's wife. Um, and there is there, her big Oscar moment is very clear in the movie. There's a scene where they have an argument in the kitchen. And um, she really does such a great job at just, like, being this... Like, she does a really good job at playing this character because I think that, like, it'd be very easy to play just, like, the wife. But I think that she really adds depth to it where, like, there are scenes where when Richard's paying, atten paying more attention to one daughter over the other, she comes in and is, like, and is like, oh, no, she's just as capable and she's just as willing to basically, like, train her daughters as much as Richard is. Like, she is basically his equal on, the, on that front. And so when Richard does things that's, like, questionable, she's really willing to call him out. And, like, I think that she does such a great job at playing that role. I also think Andrea Ellis is just an actress who really deserves any sort of recognition. She's been in a lot of shit. I just recently realized that she was in The Help. Oh, no. Which is which is not a good thing, but like, but, like, just the fact that, like, all of these fantastic black actresses were in The Help is, like, the hell? But anyway, um... <laughs> So, like, I love Anjana Ellis, and I really do. If she won the Oscar, I'd be super happy. Um, now, Kirsten Dunst, I think, is probably the, the smarter choice. I think that part of Kirsten Dunst's whole narrative is that it's not just the movie itself, which I do think she's good in it. I think that, like, because she doesn't have as much screen time as other characters, or because the movie's not really about her, her character is very, like, not one note, but I think that, like, there is a lot that's on the page that isn't there on the page that she has to add to the character. Um, but I also think it's an overdue thing because... Despite Kirsten Dunst's, like, 30-fucking-year career, this is her first Oscar nomination ever. And so I think that, like, um, because of that, that may lend to her chances here. Um, because, like, there, were, there was a point where she was supposed to be nominated for Melancholia back in 2011. That didn't happen because the director uh, was a fuck and said that he sympathized with Nazis. <laughs> Why does that affect her? Uh, you'd be, you be fucking surprised. Um... So that happened. Uh, she, she she's been in such great films from like like yes she wasn't gonna get a nomination for like Bring It On or whatever but like she's fantastic in that she's fantastic in things like Interview with a Vampire when she was a kid but then also like uh, Eternal Sunshine she gives a fantastic performance in that as well so like like she's always been consistently good in a lot of the stuff that she's in and she for the most part always knew the assignment so like the fact that this is her first nomination ever is really shocking because of how long her career has been going so I think that that really lends to her to her thing here but also she could be like a scarlett johansson where scarlett johansson got her first nominations back in 20 back in 2019 um she got two nominations and lost for both so kirsten dunst doesn't have the strength of ariana debose but i can definitely see her if she won i would not be shocked is basically my point judy mm -hmm. dench is there because she's judy dench she doesn't really do much in belfast she has like the last moment so that's probably why she's nominated but she's fucking judy dench so that's why uh and okay. jesse buckley I like Jesse Buckley in Lost Daughter. I might like her more than Olivia Coleman, but again, I don't really care for that movie. So it's really hard for me to I it's really hard for me to separate the movie from the performance. But I do think that her performance is good. So like if she won, I'd be a little upset, but I wouldn't be like rioting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um okay, so moving on to supporting actor. So the nominees here are Kieran Hines for Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons, The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Uh, my pick is Cody Smith-McPhee. Same. Yeah. I, I think that um, uh, Troy Kotzer really got a lot of um, momentum recently because of SAG. He won the uh, SAG Award for Supporting Actor, which is a big deal because 
SAG uh, does make up, well, the Screen Actors make up a large portion of the Academy. Um, but personally, I think the problem I have is that Power of the Dog, because of how strong the movie is, I can't see it walking away without a single acting win. And mm-hmm. I think that this is the category that it has the best shot at winning. And so I'd be very surprised if they give it to Troy Kotzer instead. Um, if they gave it to Troy Kotzer, then I would start to consider that maybe Coda wins Best Picture. But we'll we'll talk about Best Picture later. Damn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. agree here. Not much to add. Yeah. Um, Karen Hines is good in Belfast. He's, he's fine. Uh, Jesse Plemons is really good in Power of the Dog. I think that his role is super small, so I'm very surprised they got this nomination in the first place. Me too. <laughs> he doesn't really do he's, that much in the movie. Like he, he for leaves. He, he's gone. He, so like he's just what he comes back. He's like, what happened? He's like, yeah. fuck you, brother. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, he's like he 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 pops in and out of the movie. But I guess like he really got the nomination for I guess maybe the first like forty five minutes maybe because there is a there is that scene on the mountain that I think is really well done where like he's like oh it's nice not to be alone. I think that he did a really good job there. Um, but I ultimately am starting to believe that this nomination is really just because, well, for two reasons. One, they love Power of the Dog. And two, Jesse Plemons has kind of become, like, a mainstay in a lot of films. Like, he'll show up in random movies and always give a good performance. So I think that this is one of the scenes where it's like, okay, Jesse, we're going to recognize you here. Do you think Kirsten Dunst is really pleaded? Just like, hey, he, he's going to feel really bad if you don't nominate him. Can well, you see, just, okay, this is what's funny. Give him a pity one. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they went on to interview Jesse Plemons. Um, and Jesse, and Jesse was like, was like, he, I think he was filming, I think he was, he was working on a set, he was filming something, and he was like, yeah, no, I mean, like, I knew about all the buzz and everything like that, and I was just like, okay, cool, like, Kristen's gonna get the nomination, that's great, just, like, get her the nomination, get the reward season, it's gonna be great, and then she called me, like, elated, and told me that I got nominated, I was like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> Even he was like, I didn't do that much. Yeah, like, I, like, He's like, I was there for a day of shooting at most. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really funny to me that, like, he got that nomination. But, I mean, like, he's good. It's not a bad nomination, in my opinion. I know, yeah. But, like, he's... still. Uh, J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos. I don't like being the Ricardos. And I don't like his performance. So. Oop. Can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, like, he's doing. He's fine. But, basically, he's just playing, like, 1940s uh, J. Jonah Jameson. And I'm just like, I don't. <laughs> I want pictures of the Ricardos. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, like, it's just him. A lot of times he's, like, he's, like, I'm drunk. And I'm just, like, I, I don't care. Oh, so it's uh, the the other one. Yeah, the, 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 the He's a conductor movie. Oh, no, it's not Whiplash. <laughs> well, no, but Whiplash is a strong performance because that character is so unlikable, but he manages to make him compelling. In this in this movie, he, like, pops, He's just unlikable. <laughs> he's just, like, he's just there. And he has, like, he has one scene where he takes a... Where he takes, uh, what's her name? Nicole Kidman to a bar. Or Lucy to a bar. And, like, that's it. And I'm just like, I, just, I don't... This, I, eh. So when he got that... And this is this is the case with being Ricardo's outside of Nicole Kidman. Every time they said being Ricardo's, I was like, what the actual fuck are you talking about? But we'll get there. <laughs> um. So that's supporting actor. I do think it's going to be though. It's going to be him. At least I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so actress... Um, so for actress, we have the same picks, but we're reversed, correct? Yes. Okay. So, uh, my pick for best actress is Jessica Chastain for as a Tammy Faye. 
I think that it is a t- very typical Oscar-y type of performance. It's very big. It's very out there. But I think the thing about it is that the character that she's playing is very big and very out there. Like, if you know anything about Tammy Faye, nope. she seems like such a nice lady, but she scares the fuck out of me. I'm not going to lie. Um, Like, the heavy... She has, like, all that heavy makeup, and she's very, like, like loud and very just, like... She's just a very big character. Um, And so, like... I think the fact that Jessica Chastain managed to pull it off is really, is really uh, impressive. And I think that like that this, this performance could very easily come off as bad, but I think that Jessica Chastain really understands the character in a way that it doesn't come off that way. And I genuinely did feel for Tammy Faye as a person. And I think that Jessica Chastain did an amazing job. Um, And she is my favorite performance of this, of this nominees nominations list or nominees. Um, I know some people feel iffy about her performance because it's so big like some people would lean more towards a subtle performance but i i, I love the performance I, I think it's a fantastic performance yeah and uh my yeah my runner-up is nicole kidman for being the ricardos mm-hmm. just because <laughs> it's just i didn't i haven't seen i haven't seen any of these movies oh really um, okay I haven't seen any of them, and um, I just know people like Nicole Kidman. She's been around for a while, so I'm just like, you know what? I feel like they give her an award. <laughs> so I mean, my my other one would have been, I guess, like a, one I could see is Kristen Stewart, but I guess she hasn't been. She was okay in Spencer, so yeah. I, I think that the thing about it is that um, Spencer, Kristen Stewart, has a lot of love behind her. Like people love her performance, but it hasn't been um, represented in the award circuit. So mm. I didn't pick Kristen Stewart because I haven't seen anything to push me towards thinking that she'll win outside of that love from other, from other like random people saying that it's great. Um, if she won like an acting award with someone, then maybe, I, maybe I would be feeling different. Like if she managed to win like critics choice, for example, which I don't even know if she's nominated critics choice, but if she did manage to win like a critics choice or something like that, or like the golden globe or something, then I'd be like, okay, Kristen Stewart does still have a chance, but because she hasn't won anywhere, I I'm, I'm hesitant to say that, that, that will happen. Um, Nicole Kidman is also my second. I say that begrudgingly because I don't want her to win. Honestly, in my opinion, of this list, I haven't seen Parallel Mothers. We haven't seen Parallel Mothers as we said before. But of this list, I think Nicole Kidman's performance is the worst one. Um, I think that she literally isn't doing anything. <laughs> she she's literally just playing. She's playing Lucy, but she's playing. She's just Nicole Kidman. Um, she's not doing anything to transform herself into the character. Her character, honestly, and this is a problem with the writing more so than her character. She's a bitch. I don't like her <laughs> because because like because of the way that she treats another character in the movie, who I think is giving the best performance in the movie, uh, Nina Ariandas character, uh, who plays uh, Vivian Vance, if I remember correctly. And her character, there's a whole there's a whole subplot where she's trying to lose weight, but then literally, literally, Lucy, aka Nicole Kidman, says to her like. Oh, people like American audience wants to see themselves on screen, and you look look like normal people. They don't look like me. And I'm just like, bitch, what are you talking? What do you mean? What do you? So, so she's ugly. You're saying that she's ugly, and she should stay ugly because you're the pretty one. Fuck you. I didn't like that. I don't know. It came off. It, it rubbed me the wrong way. I did not like that line I, at all. I, and I was I like, am it. I supposed to like her? Um, but that's that's not that's a writing thing. That's not the performance. I think her performance is fine. But I just think that think that Nicole Kidman, I think, can do so much better. I do like Nicole Kidman. I think that she's a really good actress. But, like, this being the movie that could potentially give her her second Oscar is very disappointing, and I don't want to see that. But mm-hmm. she is my second my second choice because I think that, based on the award circuit, she has the second best chance of winning. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. 
All right. Want to move on to, to actor? Actor. Oh, we didn't talk about Olivia Coleman. Why are we, we talking about to. the movie? So I mean, we don't need to talk about. Yeah, her. I love Olivia Coleman. I think she's a fantastic actress. She was good in the movie, but the movie isn't good. So that's my thing. Okay, best actor. Oh boy, this one. Okay, so best actor. I think my pick is still Will Smith. I think that Will Smith has won at every. He's won at every major awards awards body. Uh, he just recently won the SAG, and I think it's pretty much locked up unless Benedict Cumberbatch wins the BAFTA. If Benedict Cumberbatch wins the BAFTA then he has the potential to upset. Um, he is my second my second choice, but I, I'm, I'm very much in the Will Smith basket. No, I, I get that. I I totally would have put him down as my choice, but um, having not seen King Richard, I can't say anything for, for 100% certainty, but knowing that he has a history already with the other award circuits going around and Will Smith winning, then I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Ben to come back down just because I feel like He's, he's never won the... Oh, wait, no. Did he win Best Actor for Enigma Code? Oh, uh, for... Uh, oh, God, what's that movie called? The Imitation Game. He didn't win. He was nominated, yeah. though. Okay, so maybe I could see, like, a legacy thing. Not legacy, but, you know, like, mm-hmm. maybe something like that where they're like, okay, you're good in this. Uh, but my hopeful wishing uh, would be Andrew Garfield. I thought he did a great job embodying the character. Well, not character, the real person, but I guess in this case, the character John, Jonathan Larson. Um not only like taking him singing lessons and really doing that, but uh, I don't know. He just like, if you watch other like things of the real John Larson, like in his, like he does a lot of good, like imit like not imitation, but he, he took up a lot of key notes about how to do like the mannerisms of John Larson. And I thought that was pretty admirable. And I just think he does an overall wonderful performance in this character who's uh, so consumed by his work and passion for trying to, get something out into the world of playwrights and whatnot to make a name for himself. So that's why I, he did a great job. Yeah. I, I definitely think the same thing about Andrew Garfield's performance. The movie I thought was okay. I didn't love it, but I do think that he gives a fantastic performance. And I think that in my mind, it's still kind of a three-way race. I still think Will Smith is like the strongest, but I mean, like all of them have different things going for them. I think in Will Smith's case, like, he has that legacy thing going on. Like, this will be his first Oscar. He's been in the industry for such a long time. Like, overdue. Will uh, Smith hasn't won one? I thought he won one for, like... Or, or did Ali not win him? No, he, this is his third nomination. He was nominated for Ali, and then he was nominated for Pursuit of Happiness. He lost both times. I think Ali, he lost to Denzel Washington for Training Day. Uh, and then uh, Pursuit of Happiness, he lost to Forrest Whitaker. Imagine if Denzel Washington comes out of nowhere in the tragedy of Macbeth and be like, that's my Oscar again. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you know, Will, Denzel Washington... Smith just looks at him. I mean, you like, know, the Academy loves Denzel. Denzel is great. I, I fucking love Denzel. So, like, I mean, go ahead. If, if that happened, I, like, I'd be like, Did really? you know he's, like, almost like, okay. 70? I'm sorry? Did you know he's almost, like, 70? Yes, I did. Isn't that crazy? It's really weird. It's actually very strange. But, like, yeah, it's really, it's really strange to think about. But, I mean... What are you going to do? I don't know. People are getting old. It's wild. It's scary. Just like in the in the song uh, 3090. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my least favorite performance here is Javier Bardem. Um, I thought he was fine. Um, I don't think he's bad necessarily, but like I just... I don't know. And then on top of that, there was a whole controversy because he's Spanish and he's playing Cuban. And it's like, why would... Why? I don't see the... I mean... 
It sounds like people just want to be upset about something. I well, don't... I think it just comes down to the fact that, like, that, like, there are things about... Repre- I understand, like, I understand representation and all, mm-hmm. but it's like... Well, well, I think the thing, I, the thing that I think that angered people a little bit was that, and I saw this on Twitter, so I don't know how much the spread, um, and I can't quote him for sure because it was a video of him talking about representation, but he was in Spanish, so like I can't say what exactly he said because there was no subtitles, and I don't speak Spanish like that, so like I can't translate. Um, but based on what people were saying in like the comments and stuff like that, um, it sounded like he was saying that uh, essentially he as a spaniard is a minority and therefore like he really wants to see more spaniard more spanish representation in film but it's really mm. weird to me because he's spanish and he's playing other cultures do you know what i mean like 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 he's spanish talking about how he wants to see more spanish representation but then he plays cuban I, yeah, you see what I mean? mean? It's like it's like things like that that like that like rub people the wrong way and it's similar with like Penelope Cruz had a similar thing where people were questioning the fact that like like she is also Spanish, but then she's in a movie. She's in that movie, The Three Five Five, with uh, Jessica Chastain and Lupita Nyong'o and all them. But she's playing Colombian. So it's like it's it's weird. I don't know. So that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And I think I think that like I just wish they would cast somebody different. I think Javier Bardem was just like an easy choice, I guess. And I like Javier Bardem, but like you could try a little harder. I mean, not gonna lie. I think they just they just want like big names. And they want people that can actually speak Spanish. I mean, the so movie, just like, the movie they was, just want to be, they just want to go with the easy choice. But the movie was written by Aaron Sorkin. Everyone knows who he is. At least in film, everyone knows who Aaron Sorkin is. And it's like, I, it's like, come on now. I don't know who Aaron Sorkin is. He wrote The Social Network, won his Oscar for The Social Network, and wrote like a whole uh, bunch of other shit. So he thinks he's all high and mighty. Uh, low key. Because you know that movie, <laughs> uh, have you ever seen A Few Good Men? Uh, I heard about it. And I haven't seen you you it. know, like the quote, like, like, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Oh, that, wait, that's I have from seen the, it. That's I a few good it. men. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's Aaron Sorkin. He wrote that. Uh, he also wrote Christ. West Wing and stuff like that, yeah. Oh, I can see where his uh, his writing style is coming into play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just can't. I like Aaron Sorkin for the most part. Like, there are movies of his that, like, people don't like that I do like. Uh, nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nina Ricardo's was, eh. Um, okay, so director. Um, so for best director, we have Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Drive My Car, uh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi, uh, Liquor's Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, Power of the Dog, Jane Campion, and West Side Story, Steven Spielberg. Um, I think that this is Campion's to lose. To lose? Like, I mean, like, she, she's a lock. Like, I think that she's gonna win it. Oh, okay. Like, I, I can't see it going to anybody else, personally. Um, I think that... Power of the Dog, again, it's super strong here. 12 nominations. I think that she's definitely going to get the win. I think the other part of it is that, is that, and this is not like me shading it or anything like that, but there is a historical element to it where if Jane Campion wins, uh, she will be the third female director to win Best Director. Um, and uh, she had previously been nominated back in the 90s for, uh, what's that movie called? The Piano. Um, she did not win, but she won Screenplay, I believe, that year. So, like, this will be, like, her chance to... to make her mark in that in that sense uh the previous two winners are um chloe zhao for nomadland and Catherine bigelow for the hurt locker so so there is like that major momentous element of like we're finally getting female directors being like being like recognized here which is great um now if i could see an upset maybe steven spielberg but he's been kind of weak throughout the season but i only see that mainly because this is more of like a wish fulfillment thing 
West Side Story, I think, is so well put together. It's so well composed. It's so well, like, the, it is easily one of, like, Spielberg's best movie in so long. And, like, if he won Best Director, I think that that would be, like, definitely 100% deserved. Now, had he been here, I would be predicting Denise Villeneuve for Dune. But they didn't put him here, so I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I don't think he had the best direction. I mean. uh, fuck you. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> I don't even know what I was watching there. <laughs> what did he put together? I saw nothing. Oh my god, I can't. I can't do it right now. I'll get triggered. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, we were pretty lined up on that, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, like, Drive My Car, I think, has the, the international part of it all. Um, again, the movie's really beloved, so that might be, like, kind of like a fan favorite type of situation. I don't think it will win, but I think it's great that Ryosuke Yamaguchi is here. Um, I think Belfast has, has a shot, but I don't think they'll give Kenneth Branagh a director. Honestly, I thought the movie was actually pretty... Um, I thought the direction was a little weak, personally. Um, there were, like, technical things about the movie that I thought were just, like, eh, and, like, inconsistent. Um, and then Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, he has that narrative of, like, he's overdue, he's never won, but I just don't think that that's going to happen because Licorice Pizza also, like, missed some major words. And that's the other thing. There are some, like, nominations that you can see that help you predict, like, what's going to win Best Picture, which we'll get to. And, like, I think it's, like, things like West Side Story missing, like, editing that, like, makes people go, like, okay, well, West Side Story might not win because it's rare that a movie that misses an, an editing nomination wins Best Picture. It's, like, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I haven't really been keeping track of that, so I'm not really going to hold it to that with my predictions right now. All right. Any thoughts on director? Uh, I mean, nothing to add to what you were saying. I, I mean, I, I pretty much agree. We we had the same picks. I, I think Power of the Dogs is pretty much a lock-in at this point. I, and again, I haven't seen the other movies. I mean, I would I would think Steven's... Yeah. We we nothing that we haven't already said. Yeah, <laughs> don't want to don't want to rehash it. Okay, all right. Uh, other than Dune should not have been nominated. Oh and my it god, it should have. <laughs> Fuck you. Um. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so best picture. Um. So I think my picks here are Power of the Dog and Belfast. Um. I Power of the Dog I think is the definite front runner. I think it's definitely going to win. But I also put in Belfast because it's that crowd pleaser. Um, I could be completely off with that because I think that Belfast has lost a lot of momentum going into this awards, but I think that if the movie does manage to get screenplay and, uh, if, um, there was another award that I was thinking that could win, but if it gets screenplay, I think it still has potential again to get to best picture. Um, power of the dog though, I think it's just going to take it. I I can't really see it going to anything else other than power of the dog right now, but you never know. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, just because I heard so much hype about it, Licorice Pizza is, like, my second choice. Um, I, I don't know, I think people are just raving about it for whatever reason. Again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know why. I can't put anything into it. Um, and West Side Story, like you said, um, basically being one of Steven Spielberg's, um, best works in a long time. I think it could be, like, another re- another instance of- La La Land, where people just love musicals for whatever reason, and they're just like, oh my god, it's so great and magical, and, you know, we just want to give it to it. So I can see that happening, but uh, definitely, the only two I want to see win would be Power of the Dog and Don't Look Up. Yeah, I I think that, like, um, I think all of our picks make sense. I think that, like, if I was to say two other movies that could potentially take it, it would be Don't Look Up and Coda. 
I also think that Dune still has a shot, mainly because I think that we haven't seen. Hear, hear me out. I okay. think the thing about Dune is that it's it's been performing exactly as expected across all accounts. I think the losing that best director nomination is is a um, is a major hit. But like I think the fact that it still got that screenplay nomination, it still got into editing. Like I think the fact that it got those nominations still gives it some of that momentum. With that being said, I don't think they'll give it to Dune because again, I think they'll just funnel all of that love to Dune Part Two. Yeah, we'll see when that happens, and maybe I'll come around too when <laughs> I see the second part of Dune. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, with these picks, I'm actually surprised Nightmare Alley is nominated. Yeah, I think it's just because, so, this year was the first year since, I want to say 2010, 2011, that they committed to a 10 Best Picture year. So this is a lot of pictures. Like, it's usually, like, five or eight. Yeah, so, um, it used to be five, and then, uh, after, so it was ten way back when, and then they switched to five. And it was five for a long time, up until 2008. And the reason why they changed it is because back in 2008, a certain movie didn't get nominated. A certain movie that made a shit ton of money that everyone loved across the board. Do you, do you know what movie that was? 2008. Where was I? <laughs> this was a big ass movie. We still talk about it to this big day. Big movie. Have I mentioned this movie? <laughs> uh, we actually, I did bring it up in a conversation we had about another movie that's coming out this week. The Dark Knight. Yes. So The Dark Knight didn't get a Best Picture nomination. And people were pissed. So the uh, so the Academy <laughs> decided to expand the Best Picture lineup to 10 in 2009 uh, for, like, the 2009-2010 Oscar year. And then, was, and then basically they kept up that 10 up until, I believe, 2011. And then I think either 2012 or 2013, they switched it so it, could, it was a potential of 10. So they would usually end up only having, like, eight nominee, nominees or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, seven to eight nominees. Um, and it got to the point where the movies that were getting nominated were typically so slight for the most part that people, they felt as though their rings were slipping and things like that. And on top of that, people felt like there were certain movies that weren't getting recognized by the Academy. Um, a lot of those movies being movies about people of color, but that's a whole other discussion. And so they decided to expand the category from that like potential to being an exact 10. So this year, I think they were just basically looking for a movie to fill that 10th slot. And I do think that Nightmare Alley was that 10th. <laughs> Oh man, that's kind of kind of sad. Yeah, no we, shade. Oh, we, we need one more movie. I mean, uh, what can we do? <laughs> no shade to Guillermo, but I do think that Nightmare Alley is divisive in the sense that like that like some people really like it and some people think that it's extremely slow and boring. And so like I think that it, it, it because of that because of how divisive it is and the fact that it's not divisive in like a loud way like don't look up where like don't look everyone watched it look up and everyone was like, "Oh my god." Either in a good way or a bad way. With Nightmare Alley, it came out, didn't make any money, no one saw it. Then it dropped on HBO Max, and now people, now people are like, uh, "Nightmare Alley is pretty good, actually." Hmm. Who would have thought? Yeah, I thought it was decent at best. Oh, but oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, like it's. I mean, you even said it yourself. Your first watch through, you weren't that impressed in theaters. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I, I think that. Yeah. I think that the. Once you actually get into the plot, I think that's where I like really like the movie. But everything in the beginning was just like so, it was slow. It was just like I like we could yeah, speed this I, up, and I I do miss like when it comes to Guillermo Toro, I love the fantastical elements, so I did miss that with the movie. Yeah, I was really expecting like just like the baby to come back in some way. Uh, yeah, to be like, 
just like comes out of the, the tube and starts walking around. Yeah, like like it's rare to I, I just well not rare, it never happens, but like every Gearbox Torah movie has some sort of fantastical element. And like even like something like Pan's Labyrinth where like you can make the argument that the fantastical elements aren't even really happening. Like there's always that fantastical element to it. So to watch a movie from Guillermo that doesn't have that, um, it's not bad, but it's just not as, like, when he's taking his time, it's just not as engaging, I don't think. But, I mean... Mm-hmm. I mean, but this also wasn't... It's an adapted screenplay. Yeah, this wasn't an original screenplay. But, I mean, I think... Yeah, so I think that probably... Is all this stuff his... original? Oh, maybe... I feel like... Huh, okay. I mean, besides Hellboy. Besides Hellboy. Besides Hellboy, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure most of his like, stuff is like original. Shape, I'm pretty sure Shape of Water Shape of Water is original. Yeah, Shape of Water is original. Pa- Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth is original. Uh his early stuff, I think The Devil's Backbone and and Kronos, I think those are all original. Um he did Blade 2. Okay, so that wasn't original. That wasn't original. But, uh Mimic but, but it had I think but it original. had that element but it had that element of the whims- the whimsical, fantastical. Yeah, exactly. Whimsical. So, like, yeah, no, Guillermo del Toro is, is a fantastic filmmaker, but I just don't really think that, like, I like Nightmare Alley, but it's not my favorite of his. Like, I think that it's the one I probably yeah. revisit the least. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, Drive My Car, again, it's a lot more national feature just by being in Best Picture, but, like, three hours. I'll, I, I have to find the time. <laughs> um... And Coda. I think Coda won SAG. It won the Ensemble Award at SAG. So it has potential there. Um, another movie that won Best Picture that won at SAG was Parasite. But I don't feel that level of love for Coda that I did with Parasite. Well, like, literally everyone was like, Parasite is fantastic. Like, Parasite is amazing. Coda, I feel like it's more muted. But I don't know. That, that could be for a plethora of reasons. I see what you did there. No pun intended. I feel bad now. <laughs> I see what you did. <laughs> all right, so to so to to wrap it up, since we we got went through all the different categories, um, and if you if there were any ones that you wanted to look look at, we're going to actually put our picks up on Twitter, uh, and also I have a letterbox, so you can see like my my various opinions on on that. I'll actually be adding that to the link tree. Um, so, Brandon, were there any movies that weren't on that we haven't talked about that you think should have been recognized? Not that I can think of. Like, there were so many movies that came out in 2021, like, surprisingly, mm-hmm. that I've forgotten about. But n- none that are, I would say, Oscar-worthy. Okay. Or, or at least would be recognized by the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, you want this movie to be nominated? Be like, uh-huh. They'd be like, no. <laughs> so, if there was any movie from this past year that you would love to see a nomination for, what would that be? And in what category? I can think of a couple. That's why I'm like, I'm like, I'm, of, I'm curious. Okay, you say yours, and I'll just see if I agree. So because I honestly, I, I personally would have considered uh, Rebecca Hall for Best Actress for The Night House. Okay, I'm gonna start going through. I mean, I, I, I definitely thought The Night House was an interest, uh, interesting movie. I'm not sure if I would go as far as she. No, she did a good job. Okay, I'll, I'll say it. Um, I think Malignant should be there in some way. I don't yeah. know. I don't know for what category though, because it's like it's definitely not best picture. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I may, maybe screenplay, maybe I would consider uh, it for director. I think that James Wan did such okay, a great job know, as director. On you know what? Film. Yeah, I can see I that. I can see it. that. Yeah, that was another one I was going to mention. Um, Passing, which is actually like an Oscar-y type of movie. I am so oh, sad I, it's not I here. Really, I really wanted to see it. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. I really wanted to see it get 
uh, best best supporting actress seemed like a lock up until the nominations came out. But I also really wanted to see it get a nomination for Tessa Thompson as well, and maybe even screenplay. But that did not happen, so it's unfortunate. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You already mentioned *Malignant*. Were there any others? And actually, I would also consider uh, another director choice, but also cinematography for um, *Candyman*. The new Candyman, I think the cinematography in it was fantastic. I think that Nia DaCosta's direction was really on point. The screenplay was a little bit iffy at times, but the but the overall construction of the film I thought was really well done, and I would have loved to see it be recognized. But this is but with malig- with all three of the movies that with Nighthouse, Malignant, and Candyman, it's just in general more horror at the Oscars. Like, give us more horror movies at the Oscars. Like, honestly, yeah. Oh, I know what I would nominate eternals for for what <laughs> i know you're, you're just looking at me because i have i have feelings about eternals that i mm. let's see um either some type it's just a technical award nothing okay nothing like, screen, right, nothing like screenplay i was about to say um, do not nominate that that screenplay was you know what? don't don't nominate I, that i you know what there's problems with it but i liked it um either costume or score i I really like the score actually um or editing put it for those i think that eternals would probably only be visual effects for me okay i'll put visual effects i mean i think that well of the marvel movies that we got this year i think that it easily had the best visual effects of them i think spider-man's visual effects were I think Spider-Man's visual effects were iffy, and I think, um, what is it called? Uh, why am I forgetting names? Shang-Chi's. I think Shang-Chi looked fine up until the end with, like, the dragon and shit. I thought that was a little too much. Yeah, it it got a little, what's the word? I don't know. Like, I don't know if they just dropped in quality all of a sudden. They're like, oh man, we've, we've spent all of our yeah, budget. <laughs> it just didn't come together in a way that I thought would be, yeah, exactly. And I think that um, uh, I think that Black Widow, like the CG. Oh no, that was, the I CG was really uh, bad in that movie. I, I like the fight choreography, but I, the CG was like. Ugh. I think the movie overall was just awful. That was the weakest. I like the movie. Like I think the movie is still fun, but like it's definitely like the more I think about, it, the more I'm like, oh, this movie doesn't work really well. Yeah, I I, I definitely wouldn't recommend it for yeah, anyone. Flor- Florence Pugh is the only really good thing that comes out of that movie. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think, um, yeah, of the Marvel movies that came out this year, I think Eternals had the best visual effects. Um, I like, like, the, the glyphs, like, when they're doing, using their powers, like, the glyph effects mm-hmm. that come, that come across. I liked, like, um, whenever they talk to Arisham or, like, the, the, uh... I, oh, the sound and The things, like, in I IMAX. thought that was well done. I, the sound is solid, like, when they, when they do go to those sequences. Yeah, I think that, like... Yeah, I think that all those sequences are really well done. I just wish that the movie was better to match it. Because otherwise, if it was as, if it was good to match, it was like if it was like on that level to match some of the really like cool looking visual effects, then I would say that it that it is like Dune for me, where it's like where it's like it's giving me something that's like really interesting. But the problem is that the writing I think is is not strong, and I think that Chloe Zhao, um, I think that in some ways she was the right choice, but in other ways I think that she just she needed help in some way i I don't know if she was necessarily the the best choice for this project yeah Yeah, that's all i got uh yeah that's everything from me 
as far as is concerned. All right, well, this yeah. might be one of our longest episodes. Yeah, um, at first I thought we were kind of going through it pretty quick, and then as we got further along, it's like, ooh, the length. So I guess with that, uh, like like I said, um, we will be adding like our predictions, not just for these categories, but for all the other categories as well, to uh, Twitter. Um, we'll also, and like I said, you can also follow uh, my letterbox. It's at, uh, I believe, Gone Guy ninety seven. I'll look at. I'll, I'll add it to the link tree. I don't know. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, give me a follow there. Uh, and yeah, so thank you for listening. Um, you can find us on all social medias uh, at the BDE Pod. Um, you can also uh, find us on YouTube uh, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to add. Do you? No, that's all from me. So I guess with that, I'm Brandon. And I'm Daryl. Thank you for listening for another episode of the BDE Podcast. Yes. We'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.